Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Go with me in the Bible to the book of Ephesians chapter number six, please. The book of Ephesians chapter six. In fact, if you have a Bible, hold it up. I want to see it. Hold your Bible up. I want to see it. Hold it up real tall. Uh, I want you to look around. Keep it up in the air. I want you to look around and see what you see right now. There are uh, leather bound Bibles up in the air. There are smartphones up in the air. There are tablets up in the air. I was preaching at a conference recently and I said, everybody hold up your Bible and they did exactly what you just did except the young man on the front row and when I asked people to hold up their Bible, he just pointed at the screen. <laughs> so whether you are reading out of an actual Bible or you're reading off the screen, let's go to Ephesians chapter six and while you're turning there, I want to say a special hello and a special God bless you to my cousin, Rebecca Crabtree, and her great husband. I love these folks so very, very much. So thankful they're on the team here. Mike and Kristen Mast, and also Jordan and Kaylin Die. They are like family to us, and they're sweet children. So many friendly faces that we see here, and we're just so blessed to be among you. Amen. If you're at Ephesians 6, would you say, I'm there? Verse number 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Now in Cabot, I tell our church, whenever the New Testament says therefore, it is there for a reason. And it refers to what has just been stated. And so Paul, in writing to the church at Ephesus, says we're in a battle we're in a warfare, and because of that, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, everyone say withstand, in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's from this very passage in Ephesians that I want to deliver my heart what I feel the Lord has nudged in my spirit to preach to this great church and I have simply entitled it, Let's All Stand. You may be seated. (laughs) 
There exists within Scripture a fascinating study regarding Judges, the 13th chapter, the angel of God came to Manoah's wife when she was seated in a field to tell her of the impending birth of her son, Samson. It was in 2 Samuel chapter number 9 that in an act of mercy and grace, David sat Mephibosheth at his table despite his lameness. In Judges, the Old Testament book of Judges, chapter 7, potential warriors were dismissed from contention in Gideon's army because they knelt and drank without looking up. Second Samuel Chapter 6, when the Ark of the Covenant is coming back into Jerusalem, the Bible says that David was found leaping and dancing before the Lord. Posture. It is all throughout the pages of Scripture. We find it to be very diverse and in certain circumstances very unique. And yet... On this Sunday morning, there remains one posture to me that is very significant in its power and very significant in its potency. It is not flashy. Nobody is going to be called up to the platform, have their picture on the screen for assuming this posture, it is not disguised in a flurry of activity. And at times, it doesn't even require a great expenditure of energy. And yet, at other times, you have to pay a heavy price. It is a posture that every New Testament believer must assume at various times in a life with God. I am preaching this morning on the all-important posture of standing. Standing when you feel like standing and standing when you don't feel like standing. Standing when others Stand with you, and then also being brave enough to stand when you're the only one standing. Standing when there is the rush of a Sunday morning at Calvary Tabernacle and you feel goosebumps on top of your goosebumps, but also standing on Thursday afternoon. When you are staring at an impossibility and it looks as though the answer is a million miles away. I've got to preach it to us on this Sunday morning. I've got to rise in this pulpit and declare there is something immensely powerful when a man or a woman, a young person, a young adult, or even a child draws a line in the sand and squares their shoulders and says, I am going to stand for the Lord. 
I will not cave. I will not bow. I will not crumble to pressure. But I will stand. I want you to turn to two or three people around you and say, come on, let's all stand. Come on, let's all stand. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. I see some of you are doing that because I said, let's all stand. But I, I wonder on Tuesday morning if something would echo in our spirit that would say it might not feel like Sunday morning, but I'm still going to stand for God. It might not feel like revival, but I'm going to stand for God. I may feel the ache and the pain that I thought was gone, but I will stand for God. Let's all stand. You may be seated. Calvary Tabernacle standing is our only victorious option. Now, if you are waiting for this sermon to get good, it just got good. Standing is our only victorious option. That's why Micah the prophet declared it, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. The proverb writer declared it in the 24th proverb, Do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling place of the righteous. Do not plunder his resting place, for a righteous man may fall seven times, and he will rise again. And so I've come to preach to this great church, if you fall down seven times, get up eight times. If you fall down a hundred times, get up a hundred and one times. If you fall down a thousand times, get up a thousand and one times. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to a new believer at Calvary Tabernacle. You messed up this week. Stand back up on Sunday morning. Live for God. Square your shoulders. It is our only victorious option. It is. It was September the 23rd of 1952, or as my pastor used to say, in the year of our Lord, 1952. And Jersey Joe Walcott was defending his heavyweight boxing title for the second time. Now, I hope this doesn't damage your view of me, but I am a boxing fan. There's room at the cross for me. At this particular fight, his opponent was the undefeated Rocky Marciano. Marciano had never been beaten in his career. It was in the first round that Jersey Joe Walcott had his right hand connect with the left chin of Marciano. And for the first time in his career, Marciano went down to the canvas. All of the sports writers began to write feverishly about this impending loss of Marciano to the champion. And then 
without explanation, Walcott did something very unusual in that first round when he knocked down Marciano. He stood over him with his boxing gloves and just waved at him. All the sports writers were puzzled. What in the world is Walcott doing? He just stood over him and waved at him. The referee began to count the fight out. One, two, three. At the count of four, Marciano struggled to grab a hold of the rope. And at the count of eight, finally pulled himself up from the rope and said, come on, bring it on. And they began to fight again. It was later in the bout that Marciano went down for a second time. In fact, on all three official scorecards, as they entered the 13th round of the fight, Walcott was far ahead. He was pressuring Marciano against the ropes, and then it happened. Marciano, with a left uppercut, put Walcott down on the canvas. And he was counted out. Marciano became the new champion. He did. They went to the, the, the dressing rooms after the fight, and nobody wanted to talk to Marciano, the new champion. They just wanted to talk to Walcott. They went over to him. His eye is puffy. His face is all bruised. And they said, Walcott, we got a question for you. In the first round, when you knocked Marciano down, we noticed you were standing over him and waving at him. What in the world were you doing? To which the former heavyweight champion replied, and I love this, I just wanted him to stay down. They said, why did you want him to stay down? To which Walcott replied, I knew he had the heart of a champion. And if he ever got up, I wasn't going to have the power or the strength to beat him in a full fight. Now, I'd like to go on an imagination trip with you this morning. Just imagine that they put me in the ring with the heavyweight champion of the world. And somehow, through God's providence or a stroke of anointing, my right hand would connect with the left chin of the heavyweight champion of the world. You better believe that I'm going to stand over him. Stay down. Stay down. Stay. Why? Because I realize if he ever gets up, I'm not going to have the strength to do that again. Oh, I feel in the Holy Ghost on a Sunday morning to somebody in this great church. The enemy has come in with a deception and tripped you up and said, stay down, stay down, stay down. Stay. You want to know why he's fighting you so hard? Because he knows if you ever get up, if you ever rise back up, if you ever get up off that canvas and begin to fight again, 
He doesn't have the strength. He doesn't have the power. Come on, I need about 20 people to help me preach right now. There is a power in rising back up. There is a power in standing back up. There is a power in standing. Come on, elders, stand today. Come on, young people, stand today. Come on, couples, stand today. Let's all stand. Be seated. Standing also confuses hell. The biography of Satan is penned in Isaiah chapter 14, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to hell to the lowest depths of the pit. When you and I refuse to stay down, we confuse hell. We do. I go in my Bible to the Gospel of John. It's one of my favorite Gospels in Scripture. It's in the 20th chapter where the Scripture tells us that Mary is standing outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Watch what she said. Because they have taken away the Lord, watch, and I do not know where they have laid him. Because I heard that he had laid down. I heard that it was over, and I don't know where the thieves have taken him and laid him down. He had been crucified. Their hopes had been dashed. The body had been laid down. And verse 14 portrays it like this. Now when she had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Because she wasn't looking for him in a standing posture. She was looking for a body that was lifeless in a laying posture. She wasn't looking for a savior that was elevated in his posture. She was looking for a savior that had been cut down and laid 
down. Then, verse 19, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you, verse 26, after eight days, his disciples again inside and Thomas with them, Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. You and I are worshiping a standing savior. Oh, I feel like preaching on Sunday morning. We are not worshiping just a crucified, laying down Savior. We are worshiping a Savior that is on the throne today. He is standing ready to move on our behalf. He is not laid down any longer. He is alive. He is standing. He is ready to work. That's who we worship. Here's what I want. If you are in this place and you need a miracle in your family, I want you to stand right now. You need a miracle in your family. You need a miracle in your children. You need a miracle in a relationship. You need a miracle in your finances. Can I tell those of you that just stood in this holy house, there is a standing Jesus that is ready to work on your behalf. And when you and I stand in his presence, We are standing in his presence saying, God, you are able to do exceeding and abundantly above everything that we could ever ask or even think. Be seated for just a moment. When you and I stand, we honor heaven and we release God's power. The writer Luke said it happened on another Sabbath, Luke 6, that Jesus entered the synagogue and taught, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and the Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation against him. They were always looking for Jesus up. Watch the next verse. But he knew their thoughts. How many of you know you got to be careful what you think around Jesus? He knew their thoughts and said to the man who had a withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he, the man with the withered hand, the man with the incomplete frame, and the man with the deficiency, the man with the difficulty, stood up. Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil or save life or or to destroy? And when he had looked around at them all, the inference was they did not answer him. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Jesus' words were simple, 
arise and stand here. I want you to notice who he was talking to. He was talking to someone that was not perfect. He was talking to somebody that had a great deficiency. He was talking to someone who could not change his problem on his own. And to that degree, Jesus said, you with the problem, you with the deficiency, you with the trouble, you with the inconsistency, you with the problem that seems to crop up every, every so often, every few weeks, you, you who can't fix yourself, stand, arise, and stretch out your hand. The man with the inconsistency, the man with the trouble, the man with the difficulty, and the man with the great need stood and stretched his hand out. What we see happen in this passage is the power of God filled that room. The power of God in a moment swept over that place. I prayed this morning. I said, God, what do you want to do at Calvary Tabernacle? And I felt the Lord impress me. I've said this before, but when God speaks to me, it is far less dramatic than you might think. I have friends that whenever God speaks to them, it is very dramatic. It's angels and writing on walls waking them up in the middle of the night. God just lets me sleep. <laughs> Pastor, I felt the Lord nudge me that when we get honest about where we are and when we get honest about our deficiency and when we get honest that we can't fix ourselves. And when we get honest enough to come into the presence of God with unanswered questions, and yet we come into that holy house and we stand in his presence and we stretch forth our faith to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't fix me. I need you to step in and do what only you can do. There will be a sweeping power of the Lord that will come through this house I believe that physical bodies can be healed. Relationships can be restored. Blinded eyes can be opened when people get honest enough. So today, right now, with all that we don't have answers for, with all of the questions that still exist in our mind, with all of the inconsistencies and difficulties we currently face, I've got one statement for Calvary Tabernacle. Let's all stand. Come on, there it is. 
There it is right there. Somebody's grabbing a hold of that right there. Somebody right now is grabbing a hold of the truth of God's Word. Somebody in this holy house has a hand extended to God, and you are saying, Lord, I invite you into every inconsistency. I invite you into every difficulty. Come on, Calvary Tabernacle. If there is ever a time to stand, it is right now. <laughs> Come on, I wish you would let your voice out with any, without any shame. I wish you would lift up your voice like a trumpet right now. I wish you would let your voice out to the Lord Jesus and say, God, I need you above everything else. I can't fix me. I can't fix me, but you can. Come on, my brother, that's it. Go ahead and let your voice out. Come on, my sister, go ahead and let your voice out. Come on, preacher, go ahead and let your voice out. Standing in the presence of God is our only victorious option. Woo! Somebody help me pray in the Holy Ghost right now. There is a sweep of the Spirit of God in this house right now. Come on, there's a new believer rising up in your faith right now. Come on there, I can't get away from it. There's a preacher that God's instilling faith in you again that it can be better. Come on. Come on, that's it. That's the Holy Ghost helping you right now. That's the Holy Ghost whispering in your spirit right now. That's the Holy Ghost saying there's a brighter day ahead. That's the Holy Ghost giving you hope when it seems like there is no hope. Whoa. Come on, let's all stand. Let's all stand. If you got a great need, I wish you'd step out into the aisle right now. Just step into the closest aisle right now. Come on, you got a need, Jesus has an answer. You've got a deficiency, Jesus has a help. You've got something you need from God. Jesus is on the throne today.